Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on the show, Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you're listening to podcasts. If you miss the show live, simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, Deezer, etc. Wherever you're listening, I am there. Of course, I am on TikTok and YouTube. Look for the real Drew Duncan. Plenty of show to get to today. We're going to be talking about the pressure mounting in the state of Colorado for Dion and company. There's a lot more there than what meets the eye. We're going to be talking about UFC 293, Texas, Alabama, Dallas with the beatdown over the Giants, North, or pardon me, Notre Dame and North Carolina State. We're going to be discussing that game as well. Tulane and Ole Miss. We're going to do a segment today called Surprised and Not Surprised NFL. And, of course, we're going to be giving a preview of the New York Jets to get ready to take on division rival Buffalo Bills. Again, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. In the meantime, Colorado, the pressure is mounting. Listen, I I want everybody to first and foremost understand why it's very easy to root for Deion Sanders right now and what he's doing in Colorado. I don't think a lot of people understand just how bad Colorado has been since the year 2000. 17, you heard me correctly, 1-7. 17 losing seasons have happened in Colorado since the year 2000. They are a combined total of 111 in 168. In fact, in those 20 years, okay, in those 23 years, understand that Colorado has only finished with at least seven wins or better four different times. They have been horrendous. They've had a couple of 10-win seasons in there, a nine-win. They haven't been they haven't been good. They've been absolutely horrendous, as a matter of fact. And now it's not just the pressure of 1-11 a season ago. Now you're already better than that. But it's the pressure of you have to know right now that the Big 12 is foaming at the mouth at getting Deion Sanders and Colorado back. They are hoping for at least nine wins this season to prove that they are going to be contenders for a national title next year. And start bringing in TV money, sponsorship money, better revenue shares on television money that's going to be happening. A national championship, something that the Big 12 Conference has not seen since Vince Young beat the US, the USC Trojans. That's been how many years ago? Alabama, or pardon me, Texas played against Alabama in the national championship game. But they failed. Colt McCoy got hurt. Pop said, you're not going back in. They started to come back, couldn't finish it off. 0-4 in the college football playoff is OU just by themselves. TCU got absolutely obliterated a season ago in a national title game. You damn right, there is pressure on Deion Sanders and his kids. And the more they win and the more they talk and the more everybody else starts talking, the more difficult it's going to be. Everybody wants to talk about how soft that schedule is right now when they are missing the point that the Colorado Buffaloes kids are storming the field because over the last 23 years, they have been awful. 
absolutely awful. Three and eight. Five and seven, five and seven, six and seven, five and seven, three and nine, five and seven, three and ten. One and eleven on multiple occasions. Last year, the Colorado Buffaloes scored a combined total, I believe, of 180 or pardon me, 148 points. Already, they've scored over 81 this season. They've already cut it in half. This has been more than significant improvement. They were getting obliterated in football games last year that they are winning this year. Same type of situation. Playing teams that are probably beatable, and they're getting smacked around. They lost to Air Force a season ago. 38-13, to if I remember right. They have been bad. Horrible. Horrendous. They have played an inexcusable level of football at the D1 level. That's all there is to it. You can't have one season in there where you win 12 games in over 20 years. Not one. Do you understand how much Dion is changing this culture in Colorado? They have been outstanding, especially in the second half. First two games right out of the gate, over 700 yards of total offense in two halves of football. I think they've scored the better part of 51 points, if I'm not mistaken, in between second half and their first two football games. They forced a lot of turnovers against Nebraska. Look, I'm the first one. I'm going to tell you, Nebraska is not that good. The Big 12 is overrated. Colorado is going to be relied upon to save the Big 12 next season. Texas is gone. OU is out. Nebraska is not coming back. Arizona? What what kind of addition is Arizona? Cincinnati. When you've got TCU, eh. I mean, I've said right out of the gate when all those teams took off for the SEC and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten that OU and Texas should have had no problems rising to the top and competing for a national championship every year. Instead, you've had Baylor come in there. You've had TCU a couple of times. The fact of the matter is it should have been cut and dry, and it wasn't. A lot is riding on Dion's shoulders and the Colorado Buffaloes. Seventeen losing seasons. That's just egregious. Just egregious. He has night and day turned his program around. So of course people are going to be excited about it. I know Nebraska's not that good. I said from the beginning that I really wasn't sure about the quarterback. Made that phenomenal play opening week against Minnesota. But, you know, the turnovers, and I did say that Nebraska needed to improve on their run defense. They still do. I said the same thing about Colorado. They need to improve on their run defense. They need to improve on their run offense. Edwards and company not getting it done. First game out, 1.1 per carry. Second game, not a whole hell of a lot better. When the passing game breaks down, is the run game going to be there? 
if you can't stop the run against everybody, what are you going to do in the Pac-12 where they love running the football still? Other Big Ten teams that are better at running the football. What if they got to go up against Wisconsin, say, in the CFP game? I mean, they've got two backs right now getting over 100 yards a game. What are you going to do? I'm not saying it's a perfect thing. What I'm saying is Deion Sanders from the last 20-some-odd seasons, it is a night-and-day look for the Colorado Buffaloes. And it should not be protested against by people who are just mad at the fact that this flashy dude is sitting in front of you winning football games. You're going to have to get over that. You are really going to have to get over that. You may not like it, but the kids love it. And Dion, as I said last week, and it got talked about this week, how he feels, he's not just raising athletes. He's raising sons. He's raising people to be husbands. He's raising them to go out in whatever their career field ends up being and being the absolute best at whatever it is they end up doing in life. You know, I had a coach tell me one time, he said, you know, I'd rather go to your wedding than go to your funeral. I'll go to every wedding of every one of my kids, man. I'd rather be there than a funeral. And I think 90% of coaches think like that. And Dion is authentic. Plenty more to get to. Obviously, we're going to be talking more college football, Texas, Alabama. We're going to be talking about UFC fight night. We've got Tulane and Ole Miss to discuss. Surprised and not surprised in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys will be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on the show, Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am on YouTube and TikTok. Simply look for The Real Drew Duncan. And I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. If you missed the show live, simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, Deezer, Speaker, etc. Wherever you are listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Wherever you are listening, Block 50 Global Radio is there. And they are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Block 50 Global Radio. Still plenty to get to. We're going to be talking Texas, Alabama a little bit later on. Dallas and the Giants. We're going to be talking Notre Dame, North Carolina State. Surprised and not surprising the NFL. Jets and Bills preview tonight. In the meantime, in between time, UFC Fight Night, number 293. Well, I tell you what, I will pay for a fight card like that all day, every day. That was a well-put-together fight card. Now, I understand I've been doing this for a long time. I basically started doing the majority of my journalism in MMA. Had the opportunity to sit right in front of Horace Gracie, next to him, whatever you want to call it. I was interviewing the man for a good 10 minutes right after he had his third fight with Ken Shamrock. That was the beginning of it all. I've interviewed Matt Brown, Amanda Nunes, UFC, really MMA in general, Bellator, all those things. It's what I partly attribute to where my career has been going. Those opportunities. 
And I love those guys, man. And putting together a fight card, having met so many different promoters, you, you hope for the best, but sometimes it's just not possible. You put together a card that you don't know if it's going to work out or not. That UFC 293 was a second-to-none fight card, at least in my estimation. I will say this, a couple of critiques. Number one, I thought the the Jung Uberg fight probably should have ended at the end of the second round. I figured what was going to happen and, you know, not going to come out for the third round. Uh, but I really felt like that was probably a stoppage that could have been made. You know, the, the first thing is first is always fighter safety. And if you cannot intelligently defend yourself, that is rule number one. And it just looked to me like Uberg was not intelligently defending himself at all. The fact that they let that thing go the way that they did really blew my mind. And I got to tell you, it was the last fight right before the main card. June looked pretty damn good. We'll see what happens. You know, this was a great fight card because of the balance, right? Usually you find those heavyweight fights or whatever the case may be that's just not that great. I think a lot of us still look to the middleweight, lightweight divisions in the UFC, at least those of us that follow it intensely. And I think any one of us would tell you that it's probably the most stacked division in the entire UFC. But I like watching some of the bigger guys, too, and there were some damn good fights. I think what blows my mind is the fact that they call the Volkov fight an upset. I just don't think so. I mean, to me, when I was watching it, I thought Tuya Vasa was drained pretty much by the end of the first round, damn sure gone by the end of the second. There was just no power left in any of those kicks, none whatsoever. That thing, it, it was really difficult to watch that go down. And I don't get it because Kov has got so many. He's, the amount of experience that he had on his own, by the way, in that fight going in just really should have spoke volumes as it is. I think that we forget that in MMA, age and experience still matter. Chuck Liddell should be the go-to when we start thinking MMA fighters are just too damn old to be in there. Now, obviously, when he decided to fight you-know-who in the third fight, I, I didn't agree with that. What was he, 50 years old? There were you know, videos of him you know, a year or two before that where you would see him and he could barely walk and do anything. And we all know why that fight happened. But regardless, if you want to know what it is to be 40 and still whooping ass on younger guys, 24, 25, 26, we need to look at the Iceman as the go-to for that. Now, obviously, he was built different, all right? He was definitely built differently. I'm not saying otherwise. What I'm saying is, you know, the last thing to go on anybody is always their punch, period. Age and experience still matter in sports. It doesn't matter what sport it is. And if you ask me, it showed through in that fight that night. As far as Dos Santos goes, look, I know a lot of people came away impressed with him. And I get it. Only 7-0 taking that fight the way that he did. Obviously, you know, a lot of people were booing uh, Manel Cop for a lot of reasons. The way that he talked to Izzy at the presser. You know, the, the way that he's been presenting and carrying himself. I get it. But I think to be fair to him, you know, with some of the things that have happened, don't forget that the Kai fight, it got scrapped. Figueroa, that fight, it got scrapped, okay? 
there, there's just been a string of bad luck there. And I'll be honest with you. I think the flyweight division in the UFC is not really in a good place right now. Top to bottom, you go and you take a look at it. To me, it's really one of two things. It's either the creme de la creme and they're very experienced or it's pretty much guys that are still basically rookies at this level of competition. And I just don't know that I really like the flyweight and where it is right now. Bad luck, bad things happen. I get all that. But the fact of the matter is, it's just not a good look right now for the division. I think Dos Santos probably has a really good future, but, you know, we don't know. We don't know. I want to see the way things go with a full, full, full camp. A 100%. Then, of course, there is the big one, right? Is he defending his title against Strickland? I don't think any one of us really, if we were being honest about it, or at least many of us really thought that Strickland was going to win that fight. Look, he did the things, though, that I talked about that I believed he said he needed to do, right? The way that he cuts off the octagon, the way he parries, his defense is very good. It's like he's just looking through you, and he just is able to use all of his vision to block and defend. And he got some incredible, I mean incredible shots on Izzy, who just did not fight the fight that we all know he's capable of. He looked lazy. He, to me, especially in the last round, he just looked like like he was fighting like he had four, four or five more rounds to go. I'm just sitting there thinking about it. I'm watching this. I'm like, man, it'll put some effort into this thing. You are losing. You're going to have to win by a knockout. And he still just kept doing like his own thing. You could tell he was starting to get a little afraid in that fight. At first, you know, after the first round, he was trying to play it off. And I might get that to Izzy. But I'm going to tell you something. There was a clear point in that fight where I thought to myself, this dude is legitimately afraid. Strickland was winning the end of those rounds hard. And I think the only one that you could even begin to give to Izzy would be round number two, and that would be about it. Other than that, that thing was dominated by Strickland. Picking his shots, patience with his moments. Landing clean and flush. Very impressed. On the highest stage, not a lot of people believing he was going to win that fight. Superior fighter to everybody was Izzy. But I said also that Izzy just seems to fight better when he doesn't come out all super flashy and arrogant and you know just doing kind of one of those as walkouts. It, it plays a big part of it, man. It's all about your focus. You can watch a lot by who's really ready for these fights when you look at the walkout. Strickland zoned in, and you can't take anything away from him. I thought Izzy was going to win the fight. I was wrong. I'm mad enough to admit it. Strickland looked phenomenal. Cut off the octagon. He didn't let Izzy, you know, woo him with all the trickery and all that kind of stuff that he does. He was fully prepared in film. You could tell he had done his study. And all the trash talking he did to Izzy and after he lost to he had a fight and all that. I mean, this thing didn't look good going in. It really didn't. It looked like Dana White was allowing Izzy to just beat up on somebody that he didn't like. And it didn't go down like that. 
And Izzy was really great about it after the fight. He gave Strickland his props. Man, beat him straight up. And there's nothing else that you can really say about it. And I love the way Izzy handled it after the fact. Strickland did his thing. Now it's time to defend. Again, as I said earlier, middleweight, lightweight. Best two divisions to me in all the UFC, top to bottom. I don't know that there's a better two divisions in anywhere in combat sports. That's Bellator, one championship. I don't know. Me personally, I think the UFC has the the stage set for those two divisions. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever. You're listening to podcasts. Simply tell you advice to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan. If you missed the show live, wherever you are listening to podcasts, plenty more to get to. We're going to be talking Texas, Bama, Dallas, New York. We'll be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on the show Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell you device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan if you miss the show live. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. iTunes, iHeart, Google, Deezer, etc. Wherever you are listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Block 50 Global Radio is wherever you are listening to podcasts. Block 50 Global Radio The Grit. The next hit. Still plenty to get to today. North Dakota, or pardon me, Notre Dame, North Carolina State. Tulane, Ole Miss, surprised and not surprised in the NFL, Texas, and Alabama. Right now, I want to talk about Dallas in New York. Look, I'm going to be honest with you, man. And I know, Dallas Cowboy fan, if you hear this, you're coming for me. I really don't give a damn. I am not impressed. I am not impressed with you. I am not impressed with the New York Giants. Saquon Barkley's in one of the worst situations in all the NFL. I know somebody's going to say, well, he wanted that money. Now you see why he's worth the money. Well, what did he really do? Well, I'll tell you what he did. He got keyed in on the entire football game because there's nobody else over there. I've tried telling people that Daniel Jones is not him. He's not that guy. He never will be that guy. I mean, to be honest with you, Saquon Barkley looked like he just gave up in portions of that football game. Just was damn sick of it. And I would be too if I was him. The play calling is so mundane. I mean, seriously. Skip Bayless has more content than they do play calling. The Kardashians would probably be able to contribute more to play calling for the New York Giants than anybody. I mean, after all, Kim did date Reggie. I'm sure she learned something. Plus, they are big-time sports fans. I'm just saying that, you know, there's people in society that would have more to give Saquon Barkley and the Giants than you might think. Man, they are terrible. And that win tonight was nothing 
short of the defense and special teams cashing in on a horrific football team. Deck missed wide open throws all over the place. He still doesn't have the arm strength to get the football downfield. He's shortchanging guys everywhere they go. That game was all about field position. I'm not sold on on Dak Prescott. I never have been. I never will be. The reality of it is it was the first game of the season and they took advantage of a bad football team. It's pretty cut and dry. The New York Giants are nothing special. And I don't want to hear about last season. I get so tired of, well, what about last season? What about what about this season? You guys know that it starts over after the year is done, right? And that how they finished a season ago dictates their schedule for the next season. So you find out how good some teams really were to begin with. Maybe they just had a really soft-ass schedule outside of their conference or division, pardon me. Maybe that's the case. Did you ever think about that? And I understand that there are hardcore fans out there that will fight me tooth and nail. I really do not give a damn. I'm just going to keep it real. I do not care. I tried preaching from the rooftops that Daniel Jones was not him. You can blame the offensive line all you want to, but the fact of the matter is, is that was a very unprepared football team. They were lazy. They were sloth. They didn't care, and they got what they had coming to them. I mean, geez, at the end of the first half, what did Dallas have? Four sacks and two interceptions alone in one half of football? A punt return for a touchdown? An interception return for a touchdown? Don't tell me that Dallas played great all-around football. They didn't. They had aspects of that game that set up the other aspects, which is what you're supposed to do. Don't get me wrong. Okay? The special teams is supposed to put you in better field position. The defense is supposed to make stops, get turnovers, score on them. I'm not saying that those things shouldn't happen. I get it. It's a team football game. But when they run into some real football teams that actually have good play calling, they have a legitimate offense, they're going to struggle. I love Micah Parsons. I think he's one of the best football players, period, in all the NFL. He wreaks absolute hell to anybody that he goes against. That's the way that it is. I still don't trust the defensive backfield, though. I don't know how good that front four really is for Dallas because they just got done playing against the New York Giants. That's all I'm saying. Some people are going to say, well, it is only one game, right? Isn't that what you said? I mean, maybe the Giants flew loss. No, no, it's not. It's not a flu loss at all. It is who they are. I have no problem with running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, whomever chasing the bag. You got to go out and get what you think you're worth. But I've always said that it is risk-reward, period. Saquon took the risk. He probably would have been suited better to me in maybe Baltimore or Philly, maybe Washington, maybe with the Rams. I think there's three or four football teams that I just named off that would use Saquon so much better. And not only that, would have a quarterback that knows how to do things I mean, come on, look at what Matthew Stafford did today. I really thought the Rams were going to need to run the football a lot against the Seahawks. They tried to, but it was really unsuccessfully. Matthew Stafford played a hell of a game today. Or yesterday, pardon me. He really did. 
Imagine what Saquon would look like over there in L.A. with that style and that system. What he would look like in Baltimore. After all, was it a J.K. Dobbins? He's down and out. So I would I believe that Saquon would be able to plug and play in a lot of other places three times as good. The Giants are just a bad football team, and there's no way to measure this game. They were turning the football over to the very end. I mean, wasn't there a a fumble into the fourth quarter? I applaud the Dallas Cowboys for playing aggressive defense. And to be fair, they probably actually have a really good defense this season. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying I don't think they have a true offense. That defense and special teams is what propelled the Dallas Cowboys to the win. And if you ask me, they are the real MVPs of that football game. We have to get to a point where we stop only thinking quarterbacks are MVPs. Only wide receivers are great. That running backs don't matter. That offensive line play doesn't matter. That defenses don't matter. They do. It's a team game until you want to tell me that so-and-so carried a football team when they didn't. Dak is not carrying his football team anywhere. I am not impressed with their win over the New York football Giants. You can't make me change my mind. That's all there is to it. I got some friends that are hardcore Dallas Cowboy fans. They hate how I feel about the Cowboys. But then reality sets in every year at the end of the season. And I just sit back and smile quietly to myself. Because I know what happened. And I knew it was going to happen. It's still make or break for Dak Prescott. He may have been bought a little bit more time, but not a lot. You absolutely have Trey Lance foaming at the mouth. In the minute anything goes wrong in Dallas, he's going in. It's one win. It's against the Giants, who I didn't think would be good this season. I'm not convinced of Dallas. I'm really not convinced of Philly. I'm not convinced of the entire NFC East, if I'm being honest with you. I thought it was poor game management by the New England Patriots at the end of the football game. Still had a chance to win. Coaching is a lot in the NFL. Don't believe me? Go look at Kansas City deciding to go for it on 4th and 25 from their own 30-yard line with with all three timeouts left and a two-minute warning. Instead of pinning them deep with a defense that had only given up 14 points in that game. Don't let that final score fool you. It was an interception on the difference maker that made what that game was. Brian Banks returning that thing back. That's all I'm saying. All right, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. The show is called Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to the podcast. Let me tell you the advice to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, Spreaker, Deezer, etc. Wherever you're listening, I am there. Still plenty to get to. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial.
Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on the show, Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to YouTube and podcast. Simply tell you device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google Spreaker, The Real Drew Duncan on YouTube. I'm on TikTok, The Real Drew Duncan. I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Wherever you are listening, Block 50 Global Radio is there. They are online, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Still plenty of show to get to. More college football. Texas A&M, Notre Dame, North Carolina State. Tulane, Old Miss. In the meantime, surprised and not surprised in the NFL. Number one, Christian McCaffrey shines. Listen up. I know I've pissed off Niner Nation, and that's okay. I know that everybody thinks that Brock Purdy is the next big big thing. And look, it's fine. You know, he, he did. He made a hell of a play earlier. He got out of pressure, backside, able to spin out of that. Absolutely. Very good play. But, you know, how far was that touchdown run that Ed, or that Christian McCaffrey had? That's all I'm saying. McCaffrey makes that offense run. Whether anybody wants to believe it or not, it is the truth. I don't know how anybody can deny that. Again, this is the timeline from a season ago. You see, you're making me go back to places that I don't like to go, and that's previous seasons for stuff like this, to determine whether or not a football team is good. I hate doing that for the most part. The 49ers were 2-3 and three when they acquired Christian McCaffrey. He was there for two days. They lost to the Chiefs. After his first full week there, he had 183 yards in that football game, three touchdowns. That includes rushing, receiving, and throwing. A total of five weeks, and after winning four straight games with Jimmy G as the quarterback after Trey Lance went down after only playing five quarters, Jimmy G was in for the next five games. They won four in a row with C-Mac there. Jimmy G goes down. After that, that is when Brock Purdy came in. There was literally never a game last year where anybody thought to themselves, man, it is a damn good thing that the 49ers have Brock Purdy. Otherwise, they wouldn't have won. It 110% never happened. Not once. I think Brock Purdy's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's a great quarterback. And Mike Tomlin said it today. Boy, they got their butts kicked. That's all there is to it. And because of what C-Mac is capable to do, it opens up so much more of that offense to play like how they did today. I mean, come on, man. Christian McCaffrey had 150-plus yards in that game. He averaged damn near seven a carry. Are you kidding me? Don't tell me that all of it was on that 165-yard run because it was not. Damn near 100 more after that. It opened everything for everybody else. And it takes so much pressure off of Debo. 
I understand that people are going to look at the numbers and go, man, there's guys out, you know, just playing better. It takes pressure off of Debo. He doesn't have to be the guy to run the ball, to catch the ball, get it in direct snaps. He doesn't have to do all that anymore because they've got C-Mac. They have one of the most impressive defenses in all the NFL. It goes without saying. I mean, look, even without Bosa, look how damn good that football team is. At least at his best, I should say. It's just a point of fact. The 49ers are a very well-balanced football team. They really are. But what I'm pointing to you is, though, is if you didn't have Brock Purdy, and let's say you had one of the top-tier quarterbacks in all the NFL. Let's say you had a Patrick Mahomes. Let's say you had an Aaron Rodgers. Let's say you had a John Elway. Any one of those guys, past, present, future, I think a good majority of them would do pretty good. Because, again, Jimmy G looked like an all-pro quarterback while Christian McCaffrey was in there. Jimmy G went to a Super Bowl. So did Brad Johnson, okay? You going to tell me Brad Johnson is headed for the NFL Hall of Fame soon? So did Trent Dilfer. In fact, those guys just weren't there. They actually won their Super Bowls. Okay? Wide open to Kittle. Missed throw. Would have sealed the deal against Kansas City in that Super Bowl. You can blame that play call on Shanahan all you want to. The fact of the matter is, it was one of the few times that it actually was a good play call. They just failed to execute at the quarterback position. In the playoffs, you know, well, they went to the NFC title game and, you know, come on, man, they, they were good a couple of years ago, 10 and ten and 7. Isn't that what they were? And how well did Jimmy G play in those playoffs after that one win? All I'm simply saying is they are a very well-rounded football team now that they've got Christian McCaffrey. They got a football coach that understands how to use him. I think he loves being there. I'll be honest. I think he absolutely loves the team that he's on. I'm just saying that right now, if you had quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, I just think that that football team would be miles ahead of where they currently are offensively with Brock Purdy if it all breaks down. That's all I'm saying. If the run game isn't there one day for whatever reason, and the defense, you know, you just find a bad matchup, and now you've got to force Brock Purdy to go out there and be a quarterback, a true quarterback. Drop back, huck it, chuck it 50 times in a football game. It's 100% on his shoulders. He's got to make throws that nobody else in the NFL can make. Do you sit back and you really tell me that Brock Purdy is that guy? No, you do not. Surprised and not surprised. Jordan Love, 50-50. I didn't really know what to expect if I'm being honest with you. Tua, I was definitely surprised. I thought after what happened to him a season ago, it was going to be really difficult. You know, you you get hurt like that, and it's very easy to go back there and play scary football. He wasn't jumpy. He was poised. He looked amazing. Joe Burrow, not surprised. He's playing hurt, people. 
he's playing hurt. Okay. The whole calf thing was just a bunch of nonsense from the Bengals. They they were negotiating that contract. They swore up and down and had nothing to do with the injury. That was what they were putting out. So that way we all thought that Burrow was okay and fighting over a contract. But then they were saying that it wasn't because of the contract. So what in the hell was going on? I'll tell you what was going on. Burrow was hurt. They were trying to mine their time for the first game of the season, and it backfired miserably. Why did they have him in there? The initial projections were four weeks. Why was he in there? Zach Taylor, head coach of the Bengals, trying to tell us it's day-to-day. No, man. No. It was way more than day-to-day. I would not be surprised if he was out for the next few weeks. Now they're probably going, well, he's hurt. You think... All right, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. You can find me on YouTube and TikTok. Simply look for The Real Drew Duncan. And, of course, if you miss the show live, I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell you advice to play, play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Facebook. Or pardon me on iTunes, iHeart, Google, Deezer. You know, like when you get used to saying something, you start saying it so much, you just kind of overstep it. Plus, like I said, I I'm only seven months removed from being... A horrible alcoholic. Seven months sober. I am proud of that. Still got a little bit of stutter to me, but hopefully it'll go away. If not, it is what it is. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick break, pay some of these bills. We're going to be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Block 50 Global Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Block 50 Global Radio. And of course, they are wherever you are listening to podcasts. I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan. TikTok and YouTube is the real Drew Duncan. And I also am wherever you're listening to podcasts. Plenty more to get to. We're going to be back right after this quick commercial break. Don't you dare touch that dial. I 
Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on the show, Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you're listening to podcasts. Let me tell you advice to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, Google, Deezer, Spreaker, etc. Wherever you're listening. If you miss a show live, I am there. Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about the New York Jets taking on the Buffalo Bills tonight. Got more college football with Notre Dame, Ole Miss. In the meantime, I want to get down to Texas, Alabama. You know, again, this is one of those games where everybody was talking about a season ago. I will say this. Of all the games so far at the beginning of the year where everybody was talking about last season, last season, this is the one that to me as I'm watching it, I'm sitting there, especially, you know, third quarter, Texas misses that field goal off the turnover, and I'm just thinking to myself, this is like last season. They are going to fail in putting this game away. A season ago, they had so many opportunities, even without Quentin Ewers, to win that football game. I mean, they really did give it away to Alabama. You've got to give credit to Sark on what he's doing. I don't think Texas is back by any stretch of the imagination. But I'll tell you what, that win over Alabama is huge. Obviously, topic of discussion going into the SEC next year, right? There's not a single one of us out there, including myself, that really thinks that Texas and Oklahoma is going to compete year in and year out in the USC. Saban and company still run the rooster over there. Right now, it's the Bulldogs. We could be seeing that shift. I'm not ready to call it yet. After their opening games, they're looking hella good. So I'm not going to say that they're not. But Sark has got something going on in Texas. I think, obviously, to me, the Big 12 is theirs for the taking this year. I'm not convinced on OU with their win over Arkansas State. That thing does not impress me. I don't care if they had have scored 170 in that game. It, it would not have impressed me at all. Okay, you beat up on a little team like that. We'll see what happens when you got to play the real deal. That's all I'm saying. I, I've always said that I don't think that the Big 12 is that strong. You heard me just a little while ago when I was talking about Colorado and all those teams when they all left. To me, it should have been easily Texas. NOU. They should have far and away taken complete control of that conference, but they couldn't get it done. This win for Texas should be the confidence boost that they'll need to carry them through some tougher aspects. Look, understand that in conference play, what makes it so significantly more difficult sometimes, even in weaker conferences, is the fact that these coaches see you every single year and they know your tendencies. They know what type of players you're recruiting. They know what your tendencies are. Even if they can't get the type of athletes that you have, even if they can't put together quite the game plan that they need to to win it, it can still make for more competitive football games. And I think Texas showed that they have an opportunity to take the Big 12. Now, whether or not they're going to be thunderous in the college football playoff, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sold. I'm not really big on Big 12 football right now. And I haven't been for a very long time. Again, 
OU, 0-4 in the CFP, TCU, one win, got obliterated the next game. It's not a good look right now for the Big 12. There is a lot of pressure on Colorado coming in and potentially Texas going out. But here's the thing, though, if you're the Big 12, do you really want Texas to make a run for a championship the year before they go ahead and get the hell out of Dodge? I mean, that's the question you got to ask yourself. Is the juice going to be worth the squeeze, my man? That's going to be the main thing. I got to tell you, I'm not really confident that the Big 12 would want that. (laughs) If I'm just being very honest with you. Because it's not going to do them any good because OU does it, Texas does it, that TV money and all those revenue shares and everything, that's all going to follow them on out the door on over to the SEC. That's exactly how that's going to work. In the meantime, if we're just talking about football in and of itself, if we're just talking about Quentin Ewers and Texas and what they did, being able to pull away in that football game and make some really good plays and be different from the squad that they had last year. Because again, as I pointed out in the preview on Friday, with the exception of Ewers, and we didn't, you know, he got hurt for most of the season last year. I didn't know if he'd be able to stay healthy through this football game. So even with him, it was still a very different looking Texas team. And one thing I said was I think that they are either going to run downhill on Alabama and throw it deep, and that would be about it. Run it up the middle, take shots deep. I didn't think there'd be a whole lot of in between there. I mean, obviously you're going to have you know your your routes twelve yards or whatever over the top, but still, you, to me, Texas did exactly that. All the shots that they took deep, the running downhill with the running backs the way I believe that they would do. That's exactly what they did for that football game. And defensively, they came up with enough big plays that they were able to put that game out of reach eventually. And the offense capitalized on them. Look, I love Alabama, but every. Every good thing must come to an end. Did we see the end of Alabama in this game? I don't know, but it certainly doesn't look good, at least the Nick Saban era. Look, he's been reloading for so long now that I don't know that we know exactly how to judge his losses anymore. For the time being, because of Nick Saban and Alabama being who they are for basically the better part of 14 years, it this point, it's very easy to say that that win for Texas could be the defining moment of their season until they get to the CFP, and everybody will probably look back on that win with more than likely how Alabama will finish and go, that was the defining game. And not just this season, but potentially the overall turnaround for the Texas Longhorns. Look, you you want to get good college recruits in when you're going to the best you know, conference and all of college football. You win games like that on national television during primetime. That's how. That's what gets mom and dad's attention. That's what gets the aunt and uncle's attention. That's what gets the grandma and grandpa's attention. That's what gets the new recruits attention. You beat somebody like that in their own backyard. And I want to go to Alabama and win a game like that. I want to play for Texas, and I want to go to Alabama, and I want to win a game like that. A game that means everything this time of year. Because every single one of them, they are going to look back one day, Ewers, the whole football team, 
they are going to look back one day. They're going to be about my age. They're going to be sitting around. They're going to be looking back, and they're going to go, you know what we did? We took down Nick Saban in the Alabama Crimson Tide, and people are still talking about it. We beat them in their own backyard at their own game. Nobody thought we could do it. They called us underdogs, which, again, two top 15 teams ranked in college football. I don't know how you call it an upset, but whatever. We'll see how this ends up playing out. It's not like some other games where, you know, Kansas City and Detroit, for instance, in the NFL. I firmly believe we're going to look back at the end of that season and go, Detroit won, but it was a fluke. I don't know that that's going to happen with Texas. I'm not the type to get geeked up on them every single year. Texas, Notre Dame, Tennessee. I'm not the type to get geeked up on these teams from the outset. Even Alabama, with what they've done over the last 14 years, this is a different season. I'm not the type to get all hopped up for the time being, though, being that it is Nick Saban, being that it is Alabama, and everything that they've done over the last 14 years, it's hard to say that this is not the defining moment of the season already for Texas, and this is what we're going to be talking about when they're undefeated with a Big 12 championship. It's going to boil down to them and OU, so the Red River rivalry game is going to mean a lot this year. All right, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. Fired up, and we are live. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am on TikTok. Simply look for the real Drew Duncan. Same with YouTube, the real Drew Duncan. Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking Tulane and Old Miss. Obviously, we still got to preview the Jets and Bills that game for tonight. Still plenty to get to. You know, and by the way, real quick, I just really want to add on to surprise not surprise in the NFL I was really surprised that Matthew Stafford played the way that he did I thought the Rams were going to win that football game but I didn't think they were going to win it like that really didn't again like I said that defense I think ranked was it 24 25th something like that in the NFL last year you know they they made some improvements still got Bobby Wagner but just don't think it's going to be enough. Like maybe Pete Carroll's wearing down in Seattle. Gino is not as good as folks say he is, but it is what it is. In the meantime, in between time, Notre Dame, North Carolina State. You know, what I talked about with that football game was Brennan Armstrong, and they're just being a little bit too much on his back, right? 
North Carolina State, you know, the game before was it 19 carries, 27 pass, you know, throws at least. That's excluding pass plays, you know, that resulted in him, you know, getting sacked or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's just a lot to ask of your quarterback. It really is. When you don't have any type of run game whatsoever that's going to help him out back there, it's all on one guy. And it's the thing that I keep talking about. If it breaks down, who can you really rely on? And the thing is, though, is it's going to break down a lot in North Carolina State because there's not a lot around Brendan Armstrong, who, again, I you know I said last weekend, I don't think he's any All-American by any stretch of the imagination. But to win the football game, I wanted to see shovel plays and some draw plays, which we saw, but not a lot of. And they got very back into the routine of let's just drop back and, and chuck it. Well, look, you don't. There are teams that are built few and far in between that can win football games like that from the NFL level all the way down. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, believe it or not, whatever happened on Thursday, how many times have we seen them just go back there, rear back, and throw it around and win football games? Right now, the Colorado Buffaloes are doing it with Shador Sanders. But again, I have said Colorado needs to really improve their run game offensively and their run defense. There's got to be at some point something around the quarterback that can help him win football games. Tough, hard-nosed football games deep down in the trenches. It still matters. It's always going to be a thing. I am a firm believer that a good running game and a great defense will get you where you need to go. And that is exactly what Notre Dame has. Estime played out of his mind football. What do you have, over 150 in that game? You know, I said from the outset, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear me on it, but to me, Estime is the real MVP of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. To me, he was the real MVP in the game against Navy. He was the real MVP the week after, and he was the real MVP this past week. I thought if there was anybody out there that could get beat on an upset, it was going to be North Carolina State beating Notre Dame. And I understand that when I say that, I mean a true upset. An unranked football team that we know is not that great going up against a ranked football team that a lot of people believe could have college football playoff aspirations this season. Everybody's geeked out on Sam Hartman. I I get all that. What I am simply debating on is who the real MVP is. And I think it's the defensive line, the offensive line, estimate in the run game. I'm not saying Hartman's not a good quarterback. What I'm saying is he's in a very good situation right now. And Notre Dame's coaching, I think, has honestly improved from Coach Kelly. I'm just going to say it. I don't think Coach Kelly is that good of a football coach. Well, they played in a national title game. Did they even score against Alabama? I can't remember. I could have sworn that the game was like 35 to nothing at one point. Off the top of my head, I can't remember if Notre Dame put up points or not, but if they did, it was in the fourth quarter, but nobody gave a damn. How'd they do in the college football playoff? Didn't they get dusted? The point of what I'm saying is they are in a far better situation right now overall than where they were. And I know people are going to say, well, NIL deals are going to help out and all that. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but you know what? It still takes a coach to know how to recruit those guys, get them there, and get them in place so that way they can get those deals. 
You don't think that's not a big factor? And at the end of the day, just because somebody can go somewhere when they're yet young and get that kind of money, uh, who says what's guaranteed? Money is a shady business, always has been, always will be. I mean, isn't there already reports circulating around that some of these guys are not getting money that's been promised to them? The real reality of it is it's going to take a coach to be able to not just make better men, to not just win football games, but to direct them in a way to where they're not going to get screwed over. So now they got to watch for everybody that's around his football team. You think they were having to do it before? Imagine what they're going to have to do now and the amount of scrutiny they will get if anything goes wrong with these football teams now. Anything at all. The head coach in college football is still part of the big attraction. Because after three, four years, when all those guys all leave and they all move on and that coach is still there, then what? Interchanging, constant rotating players, especially now with the transfer portal, it is a big deal. Because locker rooms still matter in football. Can we get along with these guys? Will they fit the culture here? Will they blend in with the majority of my guys? If they stand out, is it going to be good or bad? Are they going to cause problems in the locker room? Are they going to start rumors about other players? Are they going to have an attitude? There's guys that have already been here three years. He's been here one year. He's got to know how to step in and assert himself without being too aggressive and putting off the guys not wanting to play for him. There's a lot of things about being in a locker room. So far, it looks like Hartman's done a pretty good job. I'm not saying that he has it. I'm just saying I think that even if you took out Hartman and even put somebody in like a Brennan Armstrong, I think you would still have a successful Notre Dame football team right now. That's what I'm saying. It didn't work last year. Well, Estime wasn't going to be getting the brunt the way that he is this season. And let's not forget, it was kind of a breakout year, I guess, if you want to call it for Estime. He had 1,300 all-purpose yards. He wasn't being used in the run game the same way, or I should say amount of times, that he has been already this season. They are minimizing other things with him and maximizing him in the run game. And I said from the beginning of the year that he was going to be the difference on his football team, and he is offensively. I think they have one of the best run-blocking O-lines in all of college football. I think they have one of the best D-lines in all college football. And as long as that wheel continues to stay greased up, why can't Notre Dame finally make a run this season? Well, we're going to be looking at the guy throwing the football. How many mistakes does he make? Because turnovers, regardless of how good a football team is, are absolute killers. Do the guys want to play for him? Can he make the big throw when the game is on the line? We're about to find out. A lot of impressive yards at Wake Forest. The W column was coming up a little bit short. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm not being a jerk. I don't know why you're such a jerk. You know, deep voice, man. Maybe it makes you sound more intense than I really am. Who the hell knows? All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show's called Fired Up. I am live. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. 
I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Block 50 Global Radio is online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And they are wherever you are listening to podcasts as well. Still plenty to get to. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Jets and Bills coming up. Can I get my my music over here? We, my man. Good looking out. There it is. That's what I'm talking about. Still plenty to get to. We've got Tulane and Ole Miss to talk about. More college football. We're going to pay some of these bills. We're going to take a quick break. Man, I love this song. One of the greatest beats of all time, really. It's timeless. We'll be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up and we are live. Brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. You miss the show live? Simply tell device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, Spreaker, etc. Wherever you are listening, I am there. Still plenty to get to. Obviously, we're going to be talking more NFL Jets and Bills preview. In the meantime, Tulane. You know, I was watching this game, and, you know, we all know that their their star quarterback is out. Okay? We, we know these things at that point. Kai came in, played pretty good, especially to begin with. When all was said and done, Ole Miss was able to do enough to win that football game. But man, I just I got to tell you, I really don't know how Lane Kiffin stays employed. There are some really talented kids on that Tulane football team. There really are, and I'm a huge underdog guy. I love the Cincinnatis, the Central Floridas, the Houston's. You know, my favorite team is Syracuse. I love the underdog, man. I root for the underdog. Even if I don't think they're going to win, I'll still pick them just because, just to just to make people mad and just because I like rooting for the underdog. It's just the way that I am. I'm built like that. You know? I love Jordan back in the day, man, but I love the Knicks. Nasty defense. You know? They don't have that guy. I mean, they got Patrick Ewing. Don't get me wrong, but, man, just I, it's something about it. They're always an underdog when you play against Jordan, right? Especially into the 90s. Just makes me, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just Mr. Anti-Guy or something. I don't know. Regardless, the point is, I thought Tulane had a chance to win. As I'm watching that football game, I feel like they actually probably could have put that thing away a couple of different times. They they failed to get it done. You have to give credit to Ole Miss, but I just... The, the poor coaching in that football game, I really don't get it. You know, Lane Kiffin didn't do anything with the Raiders. 
He didn't really do anything at Tennessee that was significant other than a bunch of people spraying graffiti trying to get him out of there because they hated him so damn much. He didn't accomplish anything when he was at USC. I understand that his back was kind of against the wall, but I, I just he didn't do anything. And what's he done at Ole Miss? Can anybody tell me? What's he? What has Lane Kiffin really accomplished as a head coach? I just look at that football game, and I think to myself, when all is said and done, as good as Tulane is, they're not great. They're they're coached better, I'll tell you that much, but they they're still prone to the mistakes, the little things that cost you the football game. And I think to myself, boy, if that coach was somewhere like in Alabama, like a Texas, maybe they could do a lot more at a USC. I don't think Lane Kiffin can really look at a lot of football games and feel like I outcoached him. And, you know, he has a tendency to get off to these really good starts, 6-0, 7-0, How do these seasons end for Lane Kiffin? The fact of the matter is, Lane is not that good of a football coach. Now, I will say this. I think Ole Miss has a lot of talent. And I think defensively, given a couple of adjustments, they could probably be one of the better defenses in all college football. And the SEC's got kind of a weird dynamic going on right now, right? It's more Georgia than it is Alabama, although Alabama, until proven otherwise, is still dominant. I'm not really sure that LSU is going to be a factor, but Heupel's turning things around, right, for, for Tennessee, at least it appears so. So the SEC East is starting to take on more of what we saw with the SEC West, where it was Bama, it was LSU, it was Auburn. You know, that SEC West subdivision was easily the best in all of college football to me for the better part of 15 to 20 years. Easily to me. I mean, LSU has won two national titles in the last 20, 23 years, right? Auburn's won a national title in the last 20, 23 years. They've actually played in a couple of national championship games. Alabama, we know what the hell they've done. Texas A&M came on strong when they had Johnny Manziel, but now there's a shift. The SEC East, Georgia. Tennessee, where does Ole Miss fit in right now? And not only in their subdivision, but in the SEC as a whole. It's kind of the thing. You just you start looking up and down and what's going on with the SEC, and do you do you put Lane Kiffin in that category of next great coach? Because right now it's Kirby Smart, maybe Hypel. Nick Saban is leaving behind a legacy that I, I don't know that can ever be touched. I mean, I know we never thought we'd see Bear Bryant again, but how many years passed by before a Bear Bryant situation happened? Decades. Decades. It's not just on every corner. I just, I think that if Ole Miss was coached by somebody else, I think they would have blown out Tulane. I really do. I think if that was Kirby Smart's football team, I think they beat Tulane probably by 40 points. That's all I'm saying. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. 
The show's called Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening. I am there. I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Black 50 Global Radio is wherever you are listening to podcasts and is online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Still plenty to get to. Obviously, we're going to be talking Jets and Bills coming up right after this break. Plus, a show recap. We'll be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on the show Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you're listening to podcasts. So we tell you the advice to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan if you missed the show live. I am on TikTok and YouTube. So we look for the real Drew Duncan. And of course, I am brought to you in part by Black 50 Global Radio. Black 50 Global Radio is online wherever you are. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wherever you're listening to podcast, Block 50 Global Radio is there. It's not just sports talk, guys. It's music. It's music shows. It's city nights. A lot of variety on Block 50 Global Radio. In the meantime, not going to spend a lot of time on this. Look, here's the bottom line to the Jets and Bills coming up tonight. Okay? Josh Allen... And I don't mean to poke fun at him. Actually, I do. It's almost like you feel like he's got real talent until he's around somebody that's got real talent. Really, that kind of seems to be the Buffalo Bills, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, the old joke in the 90s, you know what Bills means, don't you? Boy, I love losing Super Bowls. I understand that they have ran into Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. I get all that. But at some point, in order to prove that you're better, you have to win those football games. That is whether you like it or not. The reality is this is beginning to get to a point where Josh Allen is going to have to put up. People don't like it when I say this, but the fact of the matter is he's a turnover nightmare. Last year, Josh Allen had 22 turnovers, folks. That was just the regular season. 17 games of football in 22 turnovers in a huge chunk came against the Minnesota Vikings. 17 picks, five fumbles lost. That's the reality of the situation. And over the last couple of years, there's nobody that can't say that they haven't had a good defense, that they haven't had a pretty good core wide receivers, at least one megastar wide receiver. There's nobody out there that can't say that they didn't have a well-balanced football team because they have. It's to a point now where it's time to go. 
You've got to get on it. The NFC East shouldn't be this undecided. It really shouldn't be. Not when you have the Buffalo Bills being as stacked as they have been over the last couple of years. I know that people are geeked up on Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. I personally don't see it happening. I don't think that they'll go to a Super Bowl this year. I don't even know if they'll really have a good season. And even if they do, how many times do we all have to go through this? It's nothing we don't know. Aaron Rodgers, amazing season. Out in round one. How many more times do we have to go through it? 15 and one, three interceptions all year long, NFL MVP unanimous. In his own backyard, the Giants came in and beat the brakes off of the Green Bay Packers. And he did not play good at all. I'm not taking anything away from the Giants. I'm just saying, come on, man. As a Giant or, you know, as a Jets fan, I can imagine where you would at the bare minimum would want to make the playoffs, have a really good season. See what can happen with maybe Zach Wilson down the future. But I got to tell you, I think that people who haven't really paid attention to the Jets are about to find out why Zach Wilson was back there running around the way that he was. Guys not getting open and a combination of, you know, bad, bad, bad blocking from the offensive line. I know that C.J. Reed thinks that that defense is going to be historic. I don't know about all that especially because he compared him to the to the 85 Bears. Again, I don't know about all that. What I am simply stating is this. When all is said and done, do you really think the Jets are good enough to go to a Super Bowl this year? We're going to find out a little bit differently about them. I like Buffalo to win the game on Monday night. Not by much. I think it's close. But I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to spend a lot of time back there running around. I think he's going to be dipped dodge ducking and diving everywhere pretty much i mean he's got to follow the five d's of dodgeball my man the five d's of dodgeball dodge dip dive duck and dodge that's all there pretty much is to it but this is a make or break here though for the buffalo bills because then otherwise they got to figure out if josh allen is going to be able to be that quarterback to get you to the next level. I mean, that's pretty much all there is to it. With Burrow being hurt, you know, we don't know. I, I think the Ravens are still going to be a pretty good football team this season. We'll be, we'll be talking about that tomorrow, that's for sure. The Browns, Deshaun Watson, they look good, but they look good against a team that just was bad. You know, it's just the way that it is. But I think Lamar and company are going to be good. I think the Chiefs and company, they're going to bounce back. The AFC is a little bit more open this year, though. I will tell you that. I mean, this is it. This is literally it. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you're listening to podcasts. If you miss a show live, simply tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, Spreaker, wherever you are listening. I am there. We'll have plenty more to get to. Obviously, we're going to be talking Jets, Bills first thing in the morning. 
I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Block 50 Global Radio is online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and they are wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell you the advice to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on Block 50 Global Radio. Everybody stay safe. Your local programming is next. And don't you dare touch that dial. Uh-huh.